My husband is enmeshed with his mom. What do I do? Welcome to the Therapy Brothers Podcast. I'm Brandon. I'm Tyler. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with real recovery. Hey, Tyler, you ready to have some hard conversations? Let's do it. Let the Therapy Brothers podcast begin. What's up, Tyler? How's it going, man? You know, uh, things, things are good. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> I mean, I just spent four days with you. Um, <laughs> you got a good life, man. Just being up there with you, you know, just... You got the the view on the hill, living in your <laughs> castle. The name of your street's Buckingham Palace or something. Oh, I don't know what man. it's called. Oh man! <laughs> but you're like perched on the top floor in your master bathroom. Like, geez, man, my bros made it. What a what a whatever, made man. I'm knew, proud of you, man. I'm I knew proud. several years ago. I just the way that we were raised. I knew that when I moved into a house that happened to be on a on a road called Buckingham Drive, that I would never live that down. So <laughs> you're a king, man. <laughs> you're the you're a king. I love it. Whatever, man. You've created it. And I just spent four days in your kingdom. And I, I was like the peasant there, but even the peasants eat well. So it was, it was great. It was great to have you, man. You're welcome yeah. anytime. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Stacy, um, let's turn the time over to you now. Enough about Tyler's kingdom. Um <laughs> Uh, if you could give us a, a little bit of background, just kind of share with us what's happening and uh, we'll go from there. All right. Um, yes, it was, it's been about six months now. So I, I found um, my husband and I, we've been married for about six years and I found on his phone one day after um, spending the day with his mom that he is and has been addicted to prostitutes for um, almost our entire marriage. This was May 6th. Um, it was really, really, really traumatizing. And um, shortly after that, I found out, like days after that, I found out I was pregnant with our fourth. Oh, wow. Um, so that was uh, the worst experience of my life, not the yeah. pregnancy. Finding out about him. And um, I don't know, there's so much. So it's been six months. Um trying to heal from from that and the and the pregnancy does not make that easy um but one of the things that i that was just as painful almost was um hearing a conversation that him and his mother had on the phone was about 30 minute conversation and um like i always knew that she didn't love me she accepts me and um but it was like 30 minutes of her fault finding me and she kind of knew what happened. Well, no, she knew that he cheated on me. And that's all that she knew because he told her. And so she was just trying to make him feel better, as always, kind of um, just pointing out everything that I have done wrong and <laughs> and that what it could have been better if I were to let her watch the kids or just random stuff like that. And so that was maybe a week or two after this discovery and so it was so so hard to hear that conversation and um almost as bad as the initial discovery yeah this conversation is it was this the first time 
you were aware of these kinds of things or was this just like an example of the pattern that's been there over the years? I had an intuition, but it was the first time, obviously after this, um, the discovery, I did everything I could to like monitor his phone. So I had that app on his phone and I guess he didn't, he could not realize that I could listen to conversations. And then I also, all the stuff I had, um, his location turned on and, but anyways, listening to that conversation, I did realize that uh, my intuition about her was definitely true. He and his mother, actually, he lived with his mom when we met. I was 27 or so, and he was 39. I was newly sober three years, and he was um, also trying to get sober. So his mom, like, saved him by letting him live there. So sober from alcohol, drugs? Yeah, drugs and alcohol for me, alcohol for him. Yeah. So, yeah, when I met him, I was in sober living, and he was living with his mom. Gotcha. got pregnant within four months and so he um he and i moved in together and she was just mortified <laughs> she was not ha- she was happy but she was so sad because it was she's single never remarried so he was her best friend her roomie and her i don't know basically her partner kind of they did everything together so i understand that part and i always had mm-hmm. an intuition she wasn't a fan of me and then um and that maybe he called her a lot for therapy, right? And so he's her baby. He is the youngest of three boys. So it all made it all makes more sense now, but it, it also doesn't help me to moving forward and like what to do and how to set boundaries and all that. Yeah. It's one of these things like no matter who you are, you're kind of, you know, you know getting in the way of the relationship that she could have with him. And so she's not going to like you just because you're the wife and, you know, in, in a sick and twisted way, she kind of wants to be like the wife. Um, I, I want to ask you just side note. Um, how's your recovery going? It's going, it's going really, it is. I can't believe it's only been six months. I, I actually found Essanon right into the, um, no, no, like, no. I, I'm asking about drugs and alcohol. How's oh, your recovery with that? It's good. It's really good. I'll yeah. have nine December. God willing. How you many? Nine years? Nine years, yeah. Whole, yeah. That's, that's awesome. I, I mean, Tyler and I, we come from the drug and alcohol arena and like, I just, I love to celebrate that. Like that's, that's awesome. no small thing. And that sets you up for navigating your current situation really well that, that you've worked you've you've already done so much work you are a miracle yeah already yeah yeah four, four kids one on the way like incredible you're resilient um and now god has heaped another pile of stuff <laughs> here to navigate um and you're gonna be you're gonna navigate it you can you can do this um but it sure isn't fair and it sure sucks um, yeah. So before we you go, before oh, you ask anything ahead. else, Brandon, I just, I, I want to then follow up with your current recovery with the sex addiction stuff and the betrayal and all of that. I guess I'm just wondering, does, what does your gut say about his recovery and whether or not he's working it? Um, well, my gut, I'm a little disappointed in because I never had any suspicion and always yeah. thought I Strong intuition. Yeah. So, but my gut for is telling me that um, 
oh, that he is strong in his recovery and that I had come first. And, um, and it's not just my gut, it's the, like the action, right? And I've worked with, I was in sober living for three years as house manager. I worked around a lot of like newcomers and people early in recovery. And I see his, the actions speak louder than his words. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. So, so things are moving. I, the reason I'm asking is, is that we might be giving some different advice if you were moving towards a divorce because there was denial and a lot, a lot of work happening versus, Hey, like it sounds like there's, you feel like there's real commitment coming from his side and you're committed on your side towards the healing part of it. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. What when are you? you oh, go, go ahead. Tyler. Go ahead, Brandon. Go ahead, Brandon. No, no, really. You're going down a train of thought. Keep, keep with it. Go ahead. No, I, I guess I'm just wondering on your side of your own personal recovery. What are you currently engaged in right now? What kind of support do you already have? Like, what's going on for you in your own recovery with the betrayal stuff? My recovery is pretty much um, Essanon. We have I do, I go to Essanon once a week. I have a sponsor, and I'm. Um, working on my fourth, I'm finished with my fourth step. I love that meeting. I really do. I didn't think that there was anyone else like me. (laughs) I really didn't. I, and uh, my AA, I go to once or twice a week and I have a local sponsor. Um, When I, when this happened, I didn't have, we moved like a year ago. So I didn't have a local sponsor. I stopped going to meetings. Honestly, I was a little, um, I, I was a dry drunk pretty much not in recovery for a few years after having kids. So when this happened, I was kind of like, just shocked. I didn't, I had no support system. I had no fellowship and that was the hardest part. But the most amazing part is that I never picked up a drink and I didn't ever even think about picking up a drink. So finding my, um, I do love Al-Anon <clears throat> But I do feel like AA is my people. So I'm so thankful for both of those programs. And um, we're both doing individual therapy and couples therapy. And uh, yeah, um, what else? The, yeah, I mean, like Pretty, you're doing, like you're, you're, yeah. Like you're saying, you got some built in recovery capital just from all the, all the recovery work you've done. Um, yeah. With yeah, and so that's good. You're kind of relying upon that now. You got your structure, you got your meetings, you got your things that you're going to. Um, I had a question for you. You say that he's he's doing. You think that he's doing well, and actions speak louder than words. Um, does he have the action of um, having the strength to have some boundaries with his mom? Does he that, have boundaries with his mom? That's one we're working hard with. Mm-hmm. Uh, struggling with but i do see that he wants to get better so it's the holidays coming up and and he wants to go take the girls to her we haven't seen her since may and he um this weird situation happened where he like he called her from a a landline like it feels like he's like sometimes when i talk about his mom it feels like it's his ex or his his um the girl that he was cheating on right like he's hiding her from you yeah, it's like he's hiding her from me. So I, I asked him because there were a lot of blanks in the story, like how does she know that we're pregnant and how does she, how did she react to the boundary set? There was uh, missing pieces. So I said, have you been calling her from like work phone or something? And he said, no. A few times before I was like, no, I know you've been talking to her because <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of, um, I monitor all his phone calls, probably not the healthiest thing. Uh, it's like part of my addiction, I guess. And he said, finally, yes, I called her from a work landline. 
And because um, I had asked him to set a boundary with her and that I wanted to hear it so that I knew because I had no trust at that point. And he he really didn't like that idea. So he called her, apparently set a boundary with her and um, and then never, never told me about it. And so when now we have this Christmas Eve brunch coming up and um, it's so hard because I want to be okay with him taking the girls to go see her and, and um, it would be so special for all of them. But for me, I just like, it's hard for me to even be okay with that. And I know that I'm going to take a year solid, no mother-in-law just for my own healing I'm only doing things that feel good for me and I get to be selfish like that. But yeah, with, when it comes to having kids, it makes it a little bit more tricky. <laughs> yeah. So, so a couple other questions around this issue with your mother-in-law, does she know that you heard the conversation six months ago? Yeah, she does. <laughs> and he does too. And he does too now then obviously. Oh Yeah. You have yeah. not talked with her since then. No, I haven't. Okay. So the way she knows is through your husband. Yeah, absolutely. And the way she thinks is, well, I didn't know that she was going to hear it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Was there a, a, an apology or anything like that no. from her? No, not at all. But I did block her from my phone a couple weeks ago. Just, but I do. Yeah. I was upset about an apology. I want an apology so bad, but um, she's an alcoholic. She's not mm. in, she doesn't have a program. She's, um, I need to realize that she's not the healthiest individual and that whatever, hand it over to God. And oh, it's just hard because I love my kids so much and I don't trust her 100%. So why would I trust her with my kids? Yeah. I'm working. I'm working on being able to trust my husband enough, you know, because he's also their parent and he loves his mom. And it's just it's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. What? Well, just curious, is his dad in the picture? Yeah, his dad is in the picture. He's also um, about an hour away. It's kind of a long, like, I could go on and on about this whole topic. His dad and his mother broke up when he was probably like 10 or 11. Okay. And his dad came out of the closet a few years after that. And his dad remarried a man and his mother never remarried. Okay. Um, do, do you feel like, and, and maybe this is a bit over psychoanalyzing this here, but so did he just kind of take the role of proxy kind of spouse um, once dad went out of the picture? Um, not at first, but because uh, his mom pretty much told him, I already raised two boys, go live with your dad. At the time, he was kind of a troublemaker anyways, smoking weed, drinking, teenager, mm -hmm. lashing out. And so she said, like, take, uh, she got went back to work, got addicted to working pretty much and told him to go live with his dad. But years later, after they like kind of reconnected, maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was he was thirty nine living with her for three years. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just curious more about the enmeshment piece. Like, do you see boundaries blurred? Like certain things in that relationship. I mean, obviously, talking trash on his wife to him is one thing. Um, 
but like other things that are just kind of like kind of give you the the ebgbs a little bit with with that oh. relationship yeah absolutely <clears throat> and i wish i knew more about boundaries and all this stuff before but um a couple examples are like she came over to visit one day and she and i was going to make everybody lunch and she was like well i thought i was going to take you shopping to tilly's for your new job my husband's 46 <laughs> old i said excuse me and she said oh it's a mother thing i I wanted to take him, make sure he had nice clothes for his new job. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I laughed at the time, but it obviously I haven't even like, <clears throat> it's a little too much. And also when we first got, we had, um, I got pregnant four months after we met. So it was quick. And then we moved in a few months later and then it was just like, boom, 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 three kids in a row. Uh, she would do his laundry and she would like insist on it. And I, I just thought it was weird. She just would come like, over to your place and do his laundry. No, she would um, offer take to do it. it. He had to bring it over to her. Oh, so he take it, take her, it over there, and she'd do the laundry. And she would fold it and leave it in the basket. So he would have to go over there, drop it off, go back, and it, she wasn't close. It's like 10, 15 minute drive on the freeway. But um, yeah, that. So those things, yeah, I do. Okay. It really. Yeah. I just wanted a better idea and you gave it <laughs> of, of enmeshment. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Yeah. One more example is that he, um, his oldest brother is married too. And they actually, they, uh, the wife did not like her same situation, um, cut her off from the kids for the first few years of their life until, um, she finally wrote her an email saying that this is my husband. <laughs> And I come first and she wrote a good email to her. And finally the mother-in-law kind of stepped back and is allowed in their life again, but I'm not the only one. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't make. So this is a, this is a tough situation because like you can hear that and there's definitely some, you know, when you look at like the whole models on, you know, family cohesiveness, there's definitely some enmeshment there going on. That's on the far end of the scale of enmeshment, you'd say, you know, when a grown man drives his clothes, when he's living with somebody else, when he drives his clothes to his mom 15 minutes away so that she can do his laundry for him, that's maybe a little bit over the top. Um, the hard part that you have is, is that you have him having a relationship with his mom that he values and wanting to have a relationship with his mom. And if he's being authentic, he needs to be able to come to you and have that discussion with you. Um, and there does probably need to be some boundaries and some learning and some, some discussion about what things are going to look like as you guys move forward. Right. And so it's, it's like this weird balancing act of you setting your own boundaries in your relationship, not only with him, but with her, but then also having some influence back and forth with him about his relationship and what he's choosing to do with, with her and how that's going to affect his relationship with you. And it can kind of get kind of messy sometimes. Um, so, so where do you start? All right. Um, yeah. I mean, Tyler, what do you think? I want to ask you this, Tyler, what do you think about her taking a year off from her mother-in-law? Um, 
I mean, that's up to that's up to her to decide if she feels like that's the right thing to do. I I wonder about the way things are being communicated. Mm-hmm. Um, I li- I like the idea. What I what I hear in the situation is that <laughs> she heard a conversation she wasn't supposed to hear. She told him that she heard it. He's now gone and told mother in law, and now there's this weird like triangle going on. I would there's rather even, have... there's even deceit about the way he's contacting the mother-in-law. Yeah. Well, now, and now, and now he's, and now that's a relational issue between her and her and him is that he's been hiding in order to go pursue calling his mom by using a landline because he knows he's being tracked. So there's like all this weird, like, I would love for it to be just more straightforward, you know, Hey, mother-in-law, this is it. Well, it's well, awkward. Think, you know, think I heard about this conversation. It. Think about like it. Like, this. like his, yeah his issue i mean he's hiding to call another woman now i know it's different than a prostitute <laughs> right. but but like when it comes to trust in the relationship um stacy do you know what uh, is at the root of enmeshment like why does a parent enmesh with a child i honestly I don't, I don't know if i could answer that it's it's their they need to use the child um for something and so it's a really selfish thing. I mean, do like you you look at doing his laundry. Let's take that example. Um, that looks like mom's being nice. Hey, I'll do your laundry for you. No. Mom is feeling validation. Mom is finding a way to get him over to the house consistently to be able to talk about you, talk about everything. So she's using her son in order to get something from him. Now, on the flip side of this, it's really interesting. I, I went to a CSAT training. The guy giving the training is named Ken Adams. And one of the first books that he wrote was when it's called When He's Married to Mom. And um, it's interesting because sex addiction and mother enmeshment, they go hand in hand because you take a guy who's been enmeshed with his mom and the mom's been using him. And what what that leads to is this feeling of, I want validation and acceptance from the feminine. I want to please them. I want to connect to them. I want to feel good. And it's intoxicating. And so they take that same feeling and need of trying to please and and, and make women happy. And, and they take it out and they, they sexualize it and they turn it into a sex addiction. Um, and so that's kind of why the roots... And now his father wounds definitely definitely will play into his addiction and we could go down that road too you you mix the two but at, at the core of his recovery at the very core of his recovery is a readjustment in that relationship with his mother because it will help him once he removes that i know who i am when i please my mom then it gives him a chance to actually know who he is now i have boundaries with mom now I don't I don't figure out my worth from pleasing her. I figure out my worth from other ways, like connecting to God or whatever it is. Um, and so this topic that we're talking about is very important for you to trust that he's actually in recovery. Him having having boundaries with his mother is indicative of whether or not he's in recovery. His or not. personal work, yes, because of that reason, Brandon, that he's got a compulsion to what he's gone and done is he's tied his value as a person to pleasing his mother at all costs. And then eventually through those sexual means, pursuing it from other women. 
right? Yes. And so, so like real recovery actually comes when you break the belief system and actually step into going, Hey, I can have some boundaries with mom. And you'll know that this is true. Like if you were to, I wish he was here to talk with us today. You'll know this is true that he would rather do almost anything else than have a hard conversation disappoint mom. with his mom, right? Yeah. He would rather go run a marathon without any training. He would rather give up all of his addictions than have that one conversation with his mom. Um, and, and only he will know that, but, but he'll have that feeling inside. It's like a compulsion, almost like he can't help himself. Um, Hence the reason he's hiding his phone calls from you, which, which is a big concern. Like that yeah. is, that is not okay. That's a, that's um, an integrity issue. And not only an integrity issue of breaking trust with you, Stacy, in the relationship, but it's also it also shows this. I don't know what other word to use than pathetic need to please her. He's still playing the rules of the old game to find his value through her, and she. What's really interesting is, is that she's trying to use him for the same thing. Yeah. So you have two people who are trying to get their value by pleasing the other person when they're both feeling a bankrupt emotionally. Does does Stacy does he show up weak with you? Does he show up like I want to please you and I want I want you to like me and does or is or is he the opposite? Like how does he how does he show up with you? He is, yeah. He does <clears throat> he and his therapy therapists have realized for sure that he is a people pleaser. Yeah, he's a Mr. Nice guy. He is a Mr. Nice guy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what I would have guessed. Um you Which know, speak yeah, go ahead. You're attracted to parts of that. That's why you're with him in the first place. It's just that it's not authentic because it's a performance thing for his value rather than this is me. And it's probably a combination of both, right, yes. Tyler? Like he's probably a good guy, a nice he is a guy. Good guy. I'm sure. But then he uses that nice guyness in order for Stacy to to think, oh, you're great. And in order for mom to think, oh, you're great. It's the um, nice the nice guyness leads to the the lack of ability to disappoint anybody and that leads to lying and deceit and hiding and all those other things that then fuel the addiction for the coping. Right. Right. So the question is, Stacy, coming back to you, we, this is kind of fun to psychoanalyze this guy that we don't (laughs) even know. We're not even talking to, right? (laughs) This comes back to you, Stacy. We know that the enmeshment with mom is an issue. We know it's at the core and the root of his addiction um, but the question for you is, how do you navigate that? What is healthy for you to to help this process and help things get better here? Um, it, right? Is that, that's kind of the question here, right? And it sounds like you're doing some things really well, and then maybe there's some things to talk about of of like things to to navigate in a certain way. So, I actually appreciate the I need to take time away from mother in law. I'm okay That's with that. Good. I would like for you to be upfront about it. That'd be okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, I could... <laughs> uh, um, your kids going to um, have contact with her. I want you to just kind of sit on something and sort it out. Are you letting them or wanting them to go out of guilt or are you letting them and wanting them to go because in your heart of hearts, it feels like the right thing to do and you feel peace about it, even though it's scary. 
she's always been really good to the kids. They love her and, and I'm sure she's got a million gifts for them to open, which might as well do it there. And I do feel it's the right thing to do. Okay. You, you're pretty confident in that when, when I asked you that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you, and you trust yourself that, 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 like that, those feelings are, are the right thing. And so, so now it's a matter of how do I go forward with this and deal with the emotions you have around them going to have that contact, right? Mm-hmm. So what are what are some tools you can use in order to surrender some things, um, to let go of some things, and um, and 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 navigate it in a healthy way when your kids come back, being able to talk to them and but but not like you know plant seeds of fear or whatever inside of them like how do you navigate that in a healthy way right um for me i i know that i'm going to be sad when they leave they hardly ever leave without me and Mm -hmm. so to go see mother-in-law an hour away on christmas eve pity party but I'll, i'll be sad for a minute and then i'll um obviously pray 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 about it before and just be happy that they get to go see their grandma the one grandma that's local and uncle they love um kevin's brother will be there. and uh yeah so <clears throat> also when they're gone i can do i i'm a full-time mom i don't work I, i'm a mom i stay at home i can get some wrapping done and i can do whatever i need to do it'll probably oh, be on-, on christmas eve that's a godsend yeah it'll yeah. be nice oh. what about what- the emotion what about the emotional part for you those are like those are good things to do, distractions and things. And like, what about that word, Brandon? I saw your face when Brandon said the word surrender. What was that look on your face when he said that word? I'm so pregnant, I'll probably just cry, and that'll be a good. <laughs> it's fine to cry. It's fine I'll, to cry. I'll turn on some music. I'll cry, and I'll wrap presents. And I'm sure they'll be they'll be they'll be fine. I would suggest one more, and you already know this. Um, I mean, we're talking about step three, turn your will and your life over to the care of God. So God is telling you the right thing to do is to let your kids go and to have that experience, right? So you're you're confident in that. Yeah, I, I can feel the steadiness there. Um, so if that's the truth, then now it's up to you to serenity prayer this and to like, you know, know that some things are outside your control. Um, I love what you're saying. Let yourself cry wrap some presents, listen to some music. And I would say, make a phone call, like call somebody who supports you. Maybe you cry to them. Uh, Maybe they just, maybe they laugh. Maybe you just talk about Christmas or whatever, but get a little bit of support and don't just stay within yourself. Um, You know, and uh, you you, you know what, Stacey, you're pretty healthy in a lot of ways. Like you see this pretty clearly. Um, We're not, we're not having to try to get you to this place of healthiness. Um, so a lot of the things are just use the tools that you already got. I, I think, you know, kind of in the broader sense of the navigation of this triangle between your partner and your mother-in-law and the way that things are happening there, that's maybe the place where navigating some of those conversations, I think is going to be some of the hard part to step into over and over again, the kinds of things where, you know, you could either go to your partner and say, I can't believe you're, 
your mom did said didn't said those things. I'm so mad at her that and the other, other. Or you could go to him and you could say, I mean, I mean, part of the issue here is is that you could be mad at your mother in law, but the fact is is that your partner he facilitated those conversations and went along with them too, mm-hmm. right? That right. it's okay to address that and to say, but I would I would suggest you address that from the point of view of your own values and and inviting him to help things go right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so, Hey, you know, I have a hard time. I'm taking a year off from even seeing your mom, your mom. I don't want that to be the case the rest of my life. This is what I'm going to work on. This is how you could help it go. Right. You know, if I, if you're going there and talking bad about me, I'm not going to want to go there. Right. If, if I know that you're going to go there and you're going to have my back, and you're going to make sure that there's some boundaries there and there's certain conversations that we're not going to have, that's going to be a lot easier for me to lean back in. Right. right. That's how you can provide, that's how you can offer your strength and, and help things go right. And I'm going to keep working on letting go of my hard feelings and, and all that other stuff. Um, yep. Those kinds of conversations are painful, but necessary with your partner mm-hmm. um, to try to help things move in the right direction. Right. Building trust. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder uh, just, uh, I'll say the same thing Tyler just said, maybe in just a little different wording is I wonder if you have had healthy boundaries around that um, breach of trust that he's, he's gone behind your back with, with his mom. And, and when we say healthy boundaries, what we're not saying is you, you need to go control him to not do that again. We're not saying that. But for you to be strong enough to say how much it hurt you and how, you know, like what you need in a relationship when it comes to trust Mm -hmm. and, um, and then hand it over to him, whether he can respect those boundaries or not, um, you know, and not, not control him to push him away from his mom, um, but actually empower him like, Hey, like him calling her behind your back is a big deal. Right. Yeah. Well, I didn't really, honestly, you can use my phone if you need to have a private conversation with your mom. It wasn't that as much as the line to me afterwards. Yes. My- yeah. Yeah. And it was a big, big, like it was up at the top of my list of boundaries. And I, when it all happened, I, I needed to reevaluate my consequences for those boundaries. Cause they were all, you move out and, um, <laughs> you like you buy an early recovery and I'm not going to kick them out for like, honestly a a small lie right and something i wanted to clarify because um like i feel bad talking about all this because we've come so far since besides with the still but he i had asked him in the beginning of my al-anon and recovery to record they were going to go to lunch together and i had asked him to call me or record me when he made this boundary and that's so it wasn't like i don't know i just wanted to clarify that it wasn't like me listening to, and on his phone conversations. It was kind of like a little bit more nut, nutty on my end. Like, okay, if you go to lunch with your mom, and now it does sound crazy saying out loud, you need to record that or you need to call me during and mute it during. <laughs> I, I think I like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And and Tyler, uh, you know, maybe like if, if there was a toxic relationship and I knew what a toxic relationship between my spouse and someone else was harming my marriage, it would be okay for me to say, Hey, I, I need to hear you. Um, like I need to hear you have a boundary with them. 
Um, but I would prefer that, hey, could you make a phone call while I'm here? And you, you know, but only if they're actually acting in their truth when they make that boundary. It's not just them doing it for me. Um, and so yeah. like, hey, I just need to know you're going to step up for me. I need to know that you you got my back, you know, and it sounds like sister-in-law navigated it pretty well. And I, I hope brother-in-law, um, you know, he was the one that had to really stand there and have that, like, like stay steady with that. Um, hopefully for that to actually really get better. Um, you know, so eventually, eventually, eventually yeah. though, it's got to go to the place where even if she's not present, he would do those things, right? Like, yeah, you're right. Brandon, I agree. Like it can be some, but, but what you don't want is like, okay, we're all going to make a call and you're going to do this thing. And then right after you're done, he goes, Hey, I'm going to go for a drive. And then he gets on the phone with some, with her with his mom again. It's like, Hey, sorry, I had to do that. Like, well, the, the thing you know, about it is that the, the mother-in-law, this is classic mother-in-law and it's classic, by the way, it's classic borderline personality disorder and I'm not diagnosing her, but it's, it's classic. Um, I'm going to pit, um, my wife between this. And so, so, so I'm going to, if I'm the mother-in-law, I'm going to pit the wife between us. And then I'm going to see how much you really do love me. Right. Like, even if your wife doesn't want you to talk to me, you'll sneak away and call me. Oh, that makes me feel good. Deep down. That makes me feel good. Right. Um, so, so as the wife, you don't play that game because you can step into this and you can have more boundaries and tell him not to do this and not. And, and that just sets him up even more to make her feel good because now it's like the mean wife is like, you can't even talk to your mom. And now he's going off to like be enmeshed with her. You don't even play that game. You don't, you don't, you don't go there and say you can and can't do this. You just say, Hey, I want, like, I value trust. I value connection. I value being chosen. I want to be chosen. You can do whatever the heck you want, but this relationship is a problem in our relationship. So it's got to shift. Now you go do your work to figure out how to shift it. Which is, which is what I like about what Stacy did, Brandon, where she's saying, I'm, I can't control for sure whether or not he goes to his mother and mother's place or not. Right. In fact, my gut says that it's still good for the kids to have a relationship. To go there with her, for right? Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, but Stacy's still saying what I do have control over is, is that I'm not going to go there and have those interactions That's right beautiful. now. I've got my own issues I want to work through first. I need some space and time. I want to get my feet planted. That's a good boundary because it's it's on self. Yep. It's and then he and then he choices. gets to choose what he does. Yeah. And then he can decide yeah. what he wants to do. Yeah, that's in, that's a beautiful example yeah. of a boundary. Yeah. Yep. And it's it's hard though. It's scary. It's hard. <laughs> Requires some surrender. Yeah. My stubbornness says that she gets what she wants, you know, her son and then her grandkids. And then I get, and not me, <laughs> but, but it's yeah. not about that. Right. Like it, it's not- it, that's your stubbornness playing that game of like, are you choosing her or me? And what it's about is you love your kids. You think that relationship that she has with them is a good thing for them. You're mm-hmm. choosing this and in your truth, that's what you're acting upon. Right. It's not a win lose her versus you thing although it's right. natural to go there yeah <laughs> <laughs> it is natural to go there. it's but but going there that's the natural thing to do but it it sends you down the same road of the game that you're trying to break like yeah you don't you don't need to have her approval of you in order to be a good person either right right, right. 
<laughs> yeah. Even though it would be nice if you could go and enjoy your company and she was happy to see you. That would be really <laughs> awesome. That would be. But that's, not, that's not where you're at right now. <laughs> that's not reality. Yeah. yeah. Stacy, we're running low on time. Do you have any last questions for us or any, any last before, things? Like um, you mentioned that book, which was a really good read and I loved it. it was recommended to me by my first therapist within like five minutes of talking to her. But in oh, that really? book, yeah. you, uh, like you, um, how important it is to find a therapist that has experience with this subject, right? Um, Absolutely. How important do you think that is really? Because he has a therapist and he loves him and he doesn't really know or agree with the enmeshment thing. I think it's a big deal. Um, <laughs> did you see Brandon's face when you asked the question? Brandon answered the question just with a look on his face. I mean, unless you're totally like making stuff up, Stacy, like in a 40 minute conversation on a podcast, you gave three examples that show blatant enmeshment to me. And if a therapist is like, I don't agree that then that therapist is either drinking in his bullshit and he's totally manipulating that therapist um, or that therapist is out to lunch. And, And so we're talking about a core wound. We're talking about little t trauma for uh, all of childhood and a lot of adulthood here. And for that therapist to minimize that out and be like, Oh yeah, yeah. Let, let's just talk about your week or whatever, you know, that's concerning to me. Um, so if the therapist is helpful because they can talk about whatever and it's a support for him, great, but they're not getting to the root issues. If the therapist isn't talking about this enmeshment issue with him. Yeah. Understood. In my opinion. Yeah, that's hard because because it's important to have a therapist that you really connect with. And if he's got that, um, that's going to be hard to give up. But <clears throat> those core deeper issues, like, I mean, you can kind of, you, you can maybe just do a little inventory with your with your husband about the fruits that are coming as a result of these issues. And just mm-hmm. try to help see that these fruits are, there's actual real life fruits that are being produced as a result of these issues right from the past. And if you like the fruits, keep going. If you don't, then you need to address them. Does your does your husband acknowledge the enmeshment? Oh uh, yeah, he, he he absolutely does. Oh, yeah. I mean that therapist, I don't know. That concerns me. And if the therapist yeah. well, and he is in recovery, sober 30 years. He's in AA and he he does believe the enmeshment a little bit, but there's like no addressing it. Right. Cause yeah. I know it is from reading that book that you need to like somehow like work through that and detach from mother, mother. Yeah. And a lot of uh, there, there's probably, if he were, if your husband and I don't know if he allowed himself to go there, there's probably some feelings of resentment because he's been used for so long. Um, but but before those feelings of resentment are feelings of love and my mom's so important and all loyalty. So loyalty. It's like, I can't go there with mom because I got to stay loyal and I got to think good about her and I got to, but if you were to allow himself to take those things down, who knows what kind of floodgates would come out. And so it's almost easier to stay in that place of loyalty. Um, that, yeah. you know, so who who knows where it would go. But I would say in therapy, addressing it is important. That seems Mm -hmm. important to me too. Yep. 
Stacy, thank you for your willingness to come on the show today and ask your questions and be so open. Um, appreciate you, appreciate your willingness to come and share yourself. Uh, thank you guys both. All right. Have a great day, Stacy. We'll see you later. Bye.